Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. No Gavin today, but I am joined by a fantastic guest. I have Ricky O'Donnell, who is the NBA editor and writer for SB Nation and also a draft expert for SB Nation as well. And we're going to start a discussion about some players that might be available to the Knicks in the 2021 draft. And in this first episode, we talk about Josh Giddy, a guy who is really intriguing to me, who Ricky just wrote a really long, nice profile on for SB Nation. So I won't hold this up any longer. We'll be right back in to get into the show. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join Gavin and I this week on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. to get in on the action. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland. And there's no Gavin today, but I did bring on a fantastic guest for you all today. I have Ricky O'Donnell. He is the NBA editor at SB Nation and... Quite frankly, I don't know if it's still in your title, Ricky, but you are a draft expert, someone whose draft coverage I've read for a really long time and always really enjoyed. I specifically remember a couple of years ago, uh, prior to the the RJ draft, we had you on, and I think it was even prior to the lottery. And it, my general impression was like you have you have a different way of looking at things, and I and it, I I like it. I don't know if I can put my finger on what it is, but like I just remember coming away from our conversation the last time around thinking, okay, he looks at things like slightly different than the consensus here. And some of the guys that you had mentioned back then had kind of popped, uh, you know, once things rolled around. So definitely a guy who's, uh, whose opinions I value. But anyway, Ricky, I've been praising you long enough. What's up? How are you doing? Uh, how's, how's the pre-draft process and NBA playoffs and everything treating you right now? I'm good, dude, but that intro is way too kind because I believe on that podcast I was really singing the praises of Jarrett Culver, who has had an extremely rough start to his NBA career. But, you know, you got you to gotta be honest about your misses, and I think you can learn from that as someone who monitors the draft. Uh, so this is a really fun class. I've been good, been enjoying the playoffs, and you, know, you always forget how quickly the draft is after the playoffs. I think if this finals goes seven games, game seven would be like the 23rd and the draft is on the 29th or something. So it all happens really quickly. Uh, but I'm enjoying this ramp up to draft season. It's a fun class. And from a Knicks perspective, I mean, you know, no top 10 pick this year. They actually have a decent team for once. Bless my longtime close friend, Tom Thibodeau, for bringing the Knicks to competence, former Bulls coach. And it's cool that the Knicks, you know, have two sort of late to mid-round picks this year. And uh, definitely will have a lot of options with those selections. Yeah. So, I mean, that's certainly something I want to talk about here because I think that it is a really interesting, you know, situation the Knicks find themselves in, right? Like, picks 19 and 21, which... <laughs> 
The Knicks have never had lottery luck, but they had coin flip luck. They managed to jump up to the highest possible spots with both those picks because it was a a two-way tie between them and Atlanta for 19 and 20. So take that, Atlanta. That's the one win that New York got in that situation. And then uh, Dallas was in a three-way tie and managed to move up to pick 21, which then, of course, went to the Knicks. So great stuff all around for the Knicks in that regard. There's... It seems like to me, and I mean, I was I was going to maybe bring this up later, but you know, I think maybe this is a good place to start at before we start getting into specific players. It seems to me that this year might be one of those chaos years where there's a lot of movement in the draft because, like, by and large, it seems like the con- consensus is that some people you you ask, you know, it depends on how people value uh, Kumenga, but some people think it's basically like a four player you know top of the draft and then pretty much i mean it's like take your pick on on which guy you like the best from like pick five all the way through pick 20 almost um and some people you know are like would include kaminga in that maybe scotty barnes you know but either way it seems like there's five or six guys that seem to be pretty consensusly near the top there and then it's just a crapshoot after that. And I think there's going to be a lot of movement because teams are going to be like, man, I really like player X and I got to make sure that I go get him. Um, You know, and, and I have no clue if, if, you know, all these six teams in front of me are going to take him or not, because there's such thin margins with this really talented draft class from, you know, again, all the way from like pick six, seven, eight, all the way up to, you know, pick 20 mid twenties. I don't know. Like it really depends on just what you value. I mean, what's your general read so far on how this draft is shaping up, you know, as far as how movement might happen? You know, like, are you are you have you heard any chatter just in general about, um, you know, potential trades being discussed or anything like that? Or like things from from like agents or prospects or whatever, just about, you know, guys that might be being targeted by teams that presumably should be out of their range and that sort of thing. Like what's your general read on this draft? Well, what I'm going to say two things. First thing that jumps out is like, you got to be thinking teams around the league no longer feel like they're drawing dead the same way they were when LeBron was going to the finals. What was it? Eight years in a row, nine years in a row. And then the Warriors with Durant and Curry just looking like such an unstoppable juggernaut. You know, we've seen since LeBron has gone to the West it's just opened up the league so much more. Like you had the Raptors as an improbable champion. Absolutely. Then the heat make uh, you know, a run that no one could have seen coming to the finals in the East and the bubble. And now Suns and bucks, both of those teams feel pretty unlikely to be in the finals. So I think like the league just feels a lot more wide open than it has at any point over the last 10 years, probably I would say. And that's exciting. That leads to more win-now moves, right? Like when the Warriors were at their peak, it felt like everyone just wanted a punt. Like they were like, we're just going to wait out this Warriors dynasty and then we're going to get them. Well, now it's like, you know, look at the Suns. They make sort of the all-in move for Chris Paul. They really didn't even give up that much. So I can't even call it an all-in move for Chris Paul, but they got Chris Paul this offseason. And that took a team that hadn't made the playoffs since 2010 and a team that you know, despite going 8-0 in the bubble last year, still couldn't make the playoffs. Now they're two wins away from a championship. So I think that that has everyone around the league being like, why not us? Why can't we do that? 
Then the other thing is that in this draft in particular, you have, you know, a bunch of teams with multiple picks. Like you got the Warriors with two lottery picks at seven and 14. You have the Magic taking the Bulls first round pick. They're picking at five and eight. Then you got the Knicks with a couple first round picks too. So uh, when you combine those factors, uh, to me, like there could be a ton of movement in this draft. I'm not really going to sit here and pretend like I know anything because I don't. And there's still a lot of time for things to happen. But yeah, to me, I'm, I'm going to be more boring this year than I have been previously. I would say the one thing I've learned covering the draft, man, since 2014, it's been my beat, is humility. <laughs> like, you know, you just have your hits and misses over the years. And uh, maybe when I was younger, I might have thought I was like smarter than people. I definitely no longer think that. Now I'm just kind of like interested in everyone's opinion and just having conversations about these things and, you know, seeing how such young players can sort of fit into the current direction of the league and where the league might go uh, a few years from now. So that's what's always fun about the draft to me. And I would expect this to be a, a pretty wild draft. I mean, I don't I don't know if there's going to be any movement in the top four, but beyond that, I think it's going to be pretty wide open and there's going to be a lot of opportunities for uh, you know teams to make some moves. All right, we're going to take our first break. Just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And Built Bar has a fantastic limited time flavor available for you guys right now. It is Built Grasshopper Cookie. And don't don't flinch. Don't cringe. There's not real grasshoppers in this Built Bar. It's available right now, and it kind of tastes like a Thin Mint cookie. Uh, it's, it's not, <laughs> again... No grasshoppers in the grasshopper cookie. Instead, you get a minty, chocolatey bar that has chunks of cookie in it, covered in real chocolate. It is phenomenal. I have had it myself, treated myself to one before a workout the other day, and maybe also one after the workout. I have turned into a bit of a built Bar junkie, but it's okay. I can do that because it tastes like a candy bar, but in reality, this new grasshopper cookie built Bar only has 150 calories compared to 17 whopping grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar too. So you're really not doing yourself any disservices by having one of these fantastic Built Bars. Built Bar, of course, also has tons of other flavors. You can check out one of my favorites like coconut or cookies and cream. All of them have that same great ratio of tons of protein compared to low calories and low sugar. If you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, including the new Grasshopper Cookie Built Bar, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, going to get right back into it with Ricky. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So before we before we move to the current draft talk, what is your what is your number one best uh, hit that you've had in your time like scouting the draft? And what do you think has been your biggest miss to this point? Yeah, that's a good one. Biggest miss. The first one that comes to mind is that well, Culver, I was really high on Culver. So were a lot of people, honestly. We we got talked into that. Like we were realistically being like, man, should they take RJ or Culver like in this draft? Like, and it wasn't just you. Like a lot of people that we really trusted for opinions on guys were really high on Culver. I'll wear so. it though. I mean, I probably did my part to shape that. So that's a huge <laughs> L. And then the other big L 
was I like Josh Jackson over Jason Tatum in that mm. draft. So just disastrous, obviously, is a take. Those are the two that really jump out. And then in terms of my best takes, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was someone I was all in on early. I didn't really see him being like, uh, you know, a sort of a rough Dwayne Wade facsimile or something. Uh, I thought that he would be a really good player. I didn't necessarily think he'd be this great of a takeover scorer, but I was really high on him in that draft, so I'll name that one. And then uh, I was big on Luka, too. Like, I know a lot of people were, but I felt like there was no questions asked. He should be the number one prospect. I, I always do the look ahead the day after the draft. I do a mock draft for the next class. I had him number one in that. I was very much all in on Luca from an early age, and uh, you know he was he was excellent right away. So, yeah, I'm sure there's there's plenty more examples of hits and misses, but those are a few that come to mind right away. So to move to this year's draft, uh, which obviously is is what everybody's listening to this pod for, I'm sure. Uh, I want to get into one guy first. Now, I, I'll preface this by saying I don't. 100% know if he's going to be available to the Knicks short of them trying to trade up for him, which is a move that I would be very much in support of. If anyone that's listening to this has been in like our green rooms when we're talking about uh, various you know guys that we like in the draft, this is someone that I've been highlighting for a while as someone that I'm into. Uh, you wrote a really good profile on him. It was uh, titled Josh Giddy is the NBA draft lottery pick who almost slipped through the cracks on SB Nation. So if anyone has not read that yet, definitely go do that. And uh, <laughs> giving away who it is, it's Josh Giddy is who I'm talking about. Um, really tall point guard out of uh, Australia or the the NBL, I should say. Um, plays for the Adelaide 36ers or played for them. And I think, I mean, he really intrigues me. I. I think that I, it's probably not it's it's not really the comparison, but it's impossible to not at least think a little bit about LaMelo Ball um, in the sense that he is just this very tall, extremely talented passer. Now, I don't think that he has, at least to me, and, and you could tell me what your thoughts are on him uh, as far as his his scouting report and everything. But to me, when I watch him, obviously the handle isn't quite as tight, which like LaMelo had like, he probably came into the NBA with a top top five, easily top 10 handle in the league from the second that he stepped on an NBA floor. Love it. Um, okay. So that's, that's a pretty high bar, <laughs> but you know, the handle's not quite there, but the passing ability, I mean, some of these passes I saw him make, I'm like, he's got almost that level of vision. You know, he's really good at threading the needle. He's great at making these difficult passes. He can see over the defense in the same way that LaMelo can uh, with that height. And, you know, I, I don't think he's as talented on defense either. I mean, there's a there's a reason why LaMelo, by a lot of people, was considered to be the best prospect last year. Um, even if he didn't go number one, it, uh, most people, you know, I, I think had him at number one on their board. Um, other than apparently the two NBA teams that passed on him. But, um, you know, he, there's a reason he's that Giddy's not that high up and that he's projected to probably go anywhere from I don't know, the eighth pick to like the 15th pick. But what are your general thoughts on Giddy? I mean, I guess first, you know, did you learn for anyone that didn't read the story yet and maybe just to, to preview it a little bit without giving too much away so they can go read it? Like, was there any interesting things you learned about him while you were reporting that story? Um, it told like a really cool, just kind of his journey of how he didn't even, 
up until the time he was like 16 years old, even, you know, which is only just a couple years ago. He wasn't even sure what his basketball future was going to be, but like a growth spurt kind of saved him and all that stuff. So what, what were some things you gathered on him from your reporting on that? And then, you know, we can get into sort of the scouting report a little bit on him. Yeah. So I FaceTimed with the young Josh Giddy. That was very cool. He was generous with his time. We had a good conversation. I talked to uh, the head of the NBA Global Academy, an Australian guy by the name of Marty Clark as well. So I guess, you know, I didn't know a ton about Giddy's background uh, coming into doing the story. And basically, I guess, you know, in America, we have like the AAU leagues, the EYBL is the Nike AAU league, and uh, the Under Armour Association, you know, it's all run by the shoe companies, right? But in Australia, the state runs it. And basically, like, uh, you know, you, the best kids from each city or each state uh, end up like making these teams and moving their way up. And I guess the best athletes in Australia go to the Australian Institute of Sport that typically uh, develops all the Olympians. Well, anyways, Giddy kept getting passed over for his state teams, which I didn't know going into it. I didn't really know uh, too much about his background. And so to hear him tell it, he was very much like down to his final opportunity to try to make a state team. He finally made it, and then after impressing at sort of the next event after that, he got chosen to go to the Australian Institute of Sport, which had partnered with the NBA Global Academy. The NBA basically partnered with academies all over the globe in China, in India, in uh, Africa, and there's a couple others. And Giddy is going to be the first guy to go from the academy to the NBA, be a first-round draft pick. He's going to be the first player drafted from the academy, uh, which is pretty awesome. So I think, you know, the the league is sort of invested in sort of growing the game internationally. And to them, Josh Giddy is a, Josh Giddy is a success story. Uh, one thing I learned reporting this out is that his dad is also a legend. Warwick Giddy uh, was like, you know, a 15-year pro in the NBL uh, so, you know, he obviously comes from great genes. His mom was a professional basketball player, too. His younger sister plays college basketball. Josh could have played college basketball, and he looked like he was going to. He was thinking about uh, Colorado, Arizona. Baylor was about to offer him. But he decided to do the next STARS program in the NBL that LaMelo took advantage of. And if you want to go back a few drafts before that, uh, Terrence Ferguson was really the first guy to do it. It was a program made for... Uh, American kids to come over and play in Australia if they didn't want to play college basketball. This is before, you know, the name, image, and likeness legislation and everything else that's happened in the last couple months. Well, anyways, Giddy was really the first homegrown Australian player to take advantage of that. So he goes to the NBL this year as an 18-year-old, the same league that LaMelo Ball played in last year. Baseline similarities absolutely there, as you noted. Both 6'8", lead ball handlers, great passers. And Giddy's numbers were pretty comparable to LaMelo's. LaMelo scored more, but Giddy scored a little bit more efficiently. Giddy shot threes at a pretty similar clip, even though like the type of threes they were taking were totally different. LaMelo was taking wild off the dribble shots and uh, Giddy was mostly a spot up shooter. But Giddy is a really interesting prospect to me entering the league because to me, he has like such defined strengths and weaknesses And because he's been on such a rapid rise over the last two years, the big question is like sort of how does his game grow from here? Like if he can sort of fix some of his shortcomings, you know, potentially this could be a guy who we look back at 
and you think, you know, maybe he should have gone even higher than right now. I think he, I'd say he's he's a likely lottery pick. If the Knicks wanted to get him, they would probably have to trade in those two first round picks uh, to move up. I don't know how high he could go. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the top 10. But back end of the lottery, I think, is likely where he goes. So just like the quick overview of Giddy. Strengths, huge. Six foot eight passer, uh, tremendous vision, able to pass on the move or pass uh, like stationary on the court. So, you know, is a floor spacer and a ball mover. I think he could sort of fit into like sort of a supersized Lonzo ball role. And I know the Knicks have been rumored to be looking at Lonzo in free agency. Uh, I'm in Chicago. The Bulls have also been very rumored to, uh, you know, to look at Lonzo. So I think Giddy is sort of a similar type of player. I'm going to, you know, people have come up with this term before as a connector. And I think that, you know, Giddy could be that because he's a really quick ball mover. Uh, it's going to come down to how his three-point shot develops. He shot the ball really poorly at the start of his tenure in the NBL, shot two for 20 to begin the season. And after that, he hit 37% of his three. So I think, you know, he's got some shooting potential. It's not definite yet. But if he can become a better shooter, I think he could be really interesting as sort of this connecting piece who can spot up on the perimeter, move the ball really quickly, uh, you know, hit jumpers, and then also like beat the defense on closeouts and really sort of leveraging his special passing gifts. Now, the difference between him and LaMelo is LaMelo to me, as you noted, such a more, he's so much more advanced as a ball handler and just a lot more flexible too in terms of his drives to the basket. Giddy is a really poor athlete. I think like I'll sometimes it looks looks like you're watching an actor play basketball because he just plays with like no physicality and with no force. Uh, I I would have been really interested to see how he would have done in the athletic testing of the combine. He didn't go through that, but like just like where his athletic markers are, I would anticipate that they would be really low, quite frankly, because he's just not someone who like plays with power and force when he's on the court, but he is really skilled being six foot eight is a guard will play anywhere. And if he can develop the jump shot, I think that that would really unlock the rest of his game. The other thing, too, is like he could get potentially way stronger than he is right now, not only in the upper body, but also in the lower body. I think that gaining some strength would unlock new parts of his game. I think, you know, becoming a dependable shooter, either off the dribble or just as a quick catch and shoot guy would unlock new parts of his game because he has some things you can't teach the height and the passing, first of all, and then like. The everyone I was talking to around him was just like, he is so good at like figuring out how the defense adjusts to him and beating that adjustment. So I think he's a very high IQ player. Uh, to me, he, I, you know, if I was ranking prospects in this draft, I would have him as a fringe top 10 guy just because his strengths are so enticing in the modern game. And like, I don't know if he's going to be the sort of guy who you give him the ball and he drives the offense every single possession down the floor. Uh, but, you know, as we've seen with the Knicks last year, like, you know, maybe you don't need that quote unquote heliocentric offense built around one star. Like the Knicks were getting a lot of their playmaking from Julius Randle. Uh, you know, obviously the best point guard in the league right now is probably Jokic, who's a nominal center. So in in a world where you can get playmaking from other positions, I think Giddy's really special basketball IQ and his passing ability just lets him sort of slot into a lot of different team contexts because he is so big 
and he thinks the game so well, and he's able to move the ball so quickly, pass with either hand. He's really good at passing on the move, too. Like, to me, the big question with him is, like, can he threaten the defense enough with his scoring to fully unlock his passing? Like, can he put the defense into rotation? Can he beat the first line of defense to force the defense into rotation? And that's what can really unlock his passing because he can, you know, whip passes to the corner with either hand, which is really interesting. I asked him about that, you know, if he, like, writes with either hand or how how he became sort of an ambidextrous player. And he said it's, it's just what he's been doing all his life, you know, dating back to... Uh, his father training him from an early age. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's an interesting player, and I think that the Knicks would probably have to cash in their draft picks to move up and get him, to move up to get him. But uh, when Thibodeau was with the Bulls, the Bulls famously moved two mid-first-round picks that ended up being Gary Harris and Nurkic to get Doug McDermott. Now, the Bulls didn't take the right guy in that spot. Uh, I think Zach Levine went one pick after McDermott, hilariously. But... Uh, you know, maybe the Knicks do want to make a similar type of move uh, now that their timeline has sort of been accelerated this past season. And uh, if they are going to do that, Giddy would be someone interesting to to target. He is really young, though, and I think that he's going to need to, like, overhaul his body. So I don't totally view him as being an instant impact guy. With that being said, he was an instant impact guy against grown men in Australia. So you have to give him credit for that. But I think he's going to need to develop his body a little bit more, uh, you know, fine tune the handle in his shot. But yeah, he does some things you can't teach. And that makes him a very enticing prospect in this draft. All right, we're going to take our second break. This episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% Welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Again, that's betonline.ag, promo code locked on. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It's funny you brought up the connector thing. That was literally going to be like my next sort of tangent there. So, like, you sort of already got into that a little bit. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, you brought up Lonzo Ball. Like, maybe is he that type of player where he's, you know, maybe a guy that can really help you in transition as far as making that that great, like, you know, three-quarter court pass, you know, to on the dime, you know, like a like a quarterback to a wide receiver, you know, and it seems like that's definitely something that's in his bag, you know, the just the accuracy to throw the ball to anyone at any point on the court, um, as long as he has a window to do it. So maybe he's a guy like that. I, maybe, I mean, I always hate when I feel like this is just like pigeonholing him because it's like one of his countrymen. But, you know, I almost think when I think of what his ceiling could potentially be, it almost makes me think of like a like a bigger, maybe more passing inclined Joe Ingles if the shot comes around. And that's obviously a big if. Yeah. Well, Ingles is such a sick shooter. But you could say if like Ingles special talent is his shooting, Giddies could be his passing. So, yeah, I think that's a decent one. You know who he sort of reminds me of a little bit? And I'm sure me and you both have some FOMO on this one. 
coming from a Bulls and Knicks perspective, how about Tyrese Halliburton? Yeah. Similar, maybe like, uh, guard. And when Halliburton was in the draft last year, I'm like, well, I don't think Halliburton can drive offense enough. Mm-hmm. So I think if you just give the ball to Halliburton, he's not going to be able to consistently get to the rim, consistently bend the defense, put the defense in rotation. And I was not super high on Halliburton coming into the last draft. Well, whoops. Halliburton's <laughs> awesome right away <laughs> because he's big. He's super smart. He's a great passer and he's a good shooter. And I think Giddy is sort of a similar, he's similar in a lot of ways. Like the shot has to continue to develop and come around, but he did shoot it pretty well after the rough start in Australia. And yeah, it's sort of a, you know, if you got someone, if you do have someone on the roster who can get to the rim, which the Knicks don't really have. I mean, I know the Knicks fans hate Alfred Payton, and I totally get it. I watched Tom Thibodeau start Keith Bogans for 81 games, and he was every bit as pathetic as Alfred, maybe even more <laughs> pathetic. But Alfred did get in the paint, as I'm sure you know, like pretty regularly. So uh, just like having someone who could like actually force the defense to like move a little bit is critical, and the Knicks don't really have that in the backcourt right now, in my opinion. So, yeah, Giddy would be interesting, but it's also like – you can't just draft for next season. You got to draft long term, long term futures in mind. The Knicks definitely have, I think, big plans to overhaul this roster. That's what it seems like from the outside looking in. The Knicks roster two years from now is probably going to be pretty significantly different than what it is right now, as it probably is for most teams in that sense. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you obviously you want someone who can get to the rim consistently and beat the first line of defense as a lead ball handler. That's not really Giddy's game. But you could just take him and, you know, wait to get that guy can sort of he can sort of pick his spots uh, until that happens. And yeah, to me, he's a he's a really enticing long term prospect. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think that I think this year in some ways proved to me that Tibbs is willing to at least give a guy with a good draft pedigree that the front office has a lot of faith in a shot, even if he's not playing his best, you know, even if it's only for seven, eight, nine, ten minutes a game. You know, it, we kind of saw what Obi Toppin this year, and even quickly at times. I mean, quickly quickly had some really bad games. I mean, it's easy to forget because he had so many amazing games, but uh, quickly had some bad, like, one of ten, one of eleven, whatever shooting performances that Tibbs just kind of, like, let him play through as long as it didn't as long as it didn't put the Knicks in a position to drastically lose a game that they had to win. He was willing to ride with quickly. And same thing with Obi. I mean, there was probably half the season Obi Toppin was basically unplayable. And yet on any given night, if he was available to play, he was getting some minutes to try to develop himself. And by the end of the year, we started to like see some real returns on that. So I hope that, you know, if they would take a guy like Giddy, that that would be something that they'd be willing to do. You know, try to find a position for him. Try to find, you know, ways to make him useful right away as an 18 year old and or 19 year old at the time. And you know, take advantage of those really great passing gifts and, um, you know, just use him in a way that, that makes sense, you know, and, and not necessarily force him to do too much, but, you know, maybe set him up to be that connector in the future. And, and maybe he surprises you and with an NBA strength and conditioning program, to your point, maybe that unlocks something new in him athletically, because I certainly, I, I get what you're saying. Like when I look at him physically, I see someone that looks like, they could be in much better shape than they are. And that's not to say that he's like overweight or something, but he looks like he reminds me in some ways of like, um, like how Allen Iverson used to talk about like, or like, 
honestly, like Carmelo too, you know, like it, those type of guys that were just like guys that played basketball to stay in shape and didn't really put a ton of effort into like building their body out through going to the gym and stuff. They kind of just play basketball and that's, that's it. You know, that's enough to keep you in shape enough to play basketball is just to play basketball. So you do that. If you get giddy in a situation where he puts on significant muscle and, you know, maybe gets in a lower body regimen, then maybe he's to a point then where he gets a better explosion off his first step um, where he can muscle guys more inside and not play, as you said, like, you know, where he plays kind of averse to contact and stuff where he doesn't seem super thrilled to like get into the paint and take hits from guys. You know, maybe he gains a little strength and that gives him some confidence there and maybe just some good coaching puts him there. So um, definitely a guy I'm really intrigued by, but I don't want to make this entirely a show about Josh Giddy as much as he really, really intrigues me. All right, that's it for this first episode with Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Very Josh Giddy focused, but it's a player that really intrigues me, if you couldn't tell, throughout the episode. But we have a bunch of other great players that we get into in the next episode. Uh, we talk about Sharif Cooper, a popular uh, Knicks draft Twitter candidate uh, for a lot of people. We talk about Chris Duarte, a older prospect who could potentially give the Knicks some like game-ready experience ready to just come in and do his thing uh, we talk about a number of the younger guys available in the draft too like Zaire Williams BJ Boston talk about just some of uh, Ricky's favorite sleepers and guys that maybe are being overlooked so there's a lot to discuss in the next episode so definitely keep an ear out for that tomorrow and starting July 19th the ultimate mock draft 2021 by presented by locked on and Odyssey will be here featuring analysis from the goat of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini and former general manager, Ryan McDonough Our locked on NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week long special event. Spoiler alert. We made a trade again this year, one that I'm very excited for. Maybe one for a player that was included in this episode, which narrows it right down. Uh, Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. And until next time, this has been Locked On Knicks. I'm Alex Wolf. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Finish up talking with Ricky O'Donnell. Peace out.